our daughters are pregnant out there. How about that, huh? <laughs> that is pretty cool. I'm really, really thankful. Um, and we're mentoring interns. There's a couple, three young ladies uh, coming into the valley uh, to be interns this year. Uh, one of them will be in our church. She'll be here next Sunday for the first time. Megan Cullum is her name. Uh, in, in Brian's church out there, uh, a young lady named Erin is, is an intern. And I'm so thankful for Tina because Tina is mentoring these young ladies. To have a lady with so much experience as a woman in ministry in this valley for decades, literally, to be able to mentor these young ladies, what a great gift. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing uh, with us. Uh, and in our children's ministry, I'm so thankful for the many years of faithful and good service that Corinne Talbot gave us and left us in such a good place as she stepped down from her position um, this summer. And uh, Jason Benson has stepped in. I'm so proud of these two for the, just the good and healthy transition we've had there. And, and Jason has got some cool dreams that he's starting to implement. We're going to build a kind of a little worship center for children. And, and, and we'll be seeing more about that and hearing more about that where our children can worship Jason will be preaching to them along the same lines as the sermon the adults are hearing here on Sunday morning. So our children and the adults get to sort of sync up and hearing similar things um, and be able to talk together as families around the table at, uh, on Sundays and hopefully throughout the week. And so we're just really excited about all the, the cool things that, that God is, is doing. Um, you know, as I think about this, and, and myself especially, um, you know, we're just kind of normal, average people serving a great God. Isn't that right? Uh, God is doing great things through us as broken people, people that are seeking healing and grace to, to become what Jesus wants us to be. But that really is kind of the theme, I think, as we study these patriarchs. I know Pastor Jared talked about this last week, how Abraham was just an average guy who God chose and loved and set him on mission uh, for him. And, and Isaac, if, if Abraham was that way, Isaac, who we are studying today, is even more that way. He's like probably below average, I'm going to say, as we think about him. Um, and that might be encouraged. It is encouragement to me. It might be encouragement uh, to some of you and how greatly God used him even in his, his brokenness. So um, we're going to look at an outline this morning here. There'll be four things we'll talk about, <clears throat> I think. If not, I will just tell you what they are. We'll hear the story of Isaac. We'll look at how he's an average guy, how he served a great God, and then make some application um, at the end. So let's pray, and let's ask God's uh, guidance on our, our studies this morning. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for uh, using us people. God, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, your plan of redemption to take all the broken places of our lives and to use them for your glory to put us on our feet and to grow us into the image of Christ uh, and God and to use us to bring glory to you. That is just unimaginable that the king of the universe would choose us to bring you glory, God. So we want to we do that well. We want to model Christ. We want to love well. We want to serve well. Uh, as we travel, even these two ladies, bless them. Use them greatly this week, Lord. And, and God, uh, as we study your word, God, we, we want to we hear it, respond to it, Walk in it, God, that we would be people that glorify you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me just read on uh, the story of Isaac, just chapter 26. Um, hopefully, you, you, you look in the bulletin. Uh, each week, we have the, the chapters and the verses to look at for next Sunday's sermon. Next week, Pastor Gerald will be speaking about Jacob, and he's listed several 
uh, verses there to read. Uh, this week, I've encouraged you to read Genesis 26. This really is the primary chapter where we see some things about Isaac's life. And so I'm going to read, I think, rather extensively here, about 25 verses out of Genesis 26 so we can hear the story. Let's listen. Let's be good hearers of God's word. Maybe the most important thing we do this morning is, is just listen to God's word as, as I read it. Okay. Now, therefore, was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Now, these next couple of verses are really important, so let's, let's listen to this now. It says, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father, and I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Okay, hear what happens here? God is now saying the promises that I've given to your father Abraham, I'm now passing on to you. So Isaac receives the promises and the blessing that was given to Abraham. That's really super important. Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Verse 6, so Isaac settled in Gerar when the men of the place asked him about his wife. He said, she is my sister. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Oh, my gosh. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he was very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. And so Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again a well of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found that there was a well of spring of water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, That water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called it Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over that one. 
So we called its name Rehoboth, saying, for now the Lord has room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. So I want you to notice there that there's a little bit of Isaac and his character. He's kind of getting pushed around from place to place to place until finally he finds a place where they aren't pushing him around. <clears throat> Verse 23, from there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. And so at the end of the day, Isaac is a worshiper of God, and that is really important. So uh, God's word settled into our hearts this morning as we, um, as we think about it. So the story of Isaac <clears throat> begins a, a few chapters before this one where he is sort of the miracle child of Abraham and uh, Sarah. Abraham being 100 years old and Sarah 90. God have, uh, promised them a child and, and sure enough, here's Isaac. And he grew up and he married Rebekah who was very beautiful, we read. A uh, famine forces him to the south into the land of the Philistines, Gerer, enemy territory and he lies about his wife so that he won't get killed. Same as his father Abraham had done about Sarah, uh, and he has promised now this line of blessing that Abraham had been pr promised, that there would be a land and a nation and a blessing to all nations through him. <clears throat> now, when he married Rebekah, they find out, similar to Abraham, that she is barren. He marries at age 40, and uh, she is barren for uh, 20 years, and then he prays like crazy, which is a really cool thing about Isaac. He's a man of faith. He prays for her, and 20 years later, uh, at age 60, he has uh, a child, uh, twins, actually, um, Jacob and Esau. And uh, these twins, uh, when uh, Rebecca was pregnant, squabbled within her. They were at odds and would be throughout their life um, and uh, represented two nations. And uh, God says that the older will serve the younger, um, and so Esau will serve uh, Jacob. And so they are born, and Esau proves to be a rebel. He despises his own birthright, his own privileged firstborn position, sells it away for some stew. Must have been really hungry, because everything was given to the firstborn child in those days. I can't imagine trading stew for that, but he did. And then Esau marries a Hittite, um, a, a pagan woman, a couple of them actually. And so he disqualifies himself as the line of the Messiah, so the blessing must go uh, to Jacob. Um, and so Isaac, though, it, it, he likes Esau better because he was a hunter. And, uh, and so he sets out to try to give the blessing to Esau. Um, but Rebecca, mom, likes Jacob better. And uh, she figures out a way, as if you're familiar with the story, to deceive Isaac. And so uh, Jacob gets the blessing and Jacob becomes the vehicle, and Pastor Jared will talk about this next week, of blessings for the nations um, as God had planned. So there's a little of the story of, uh, of Isaac, all right? Just give you that as a little background. Now, um, Isaac is a very average dude. Um, and in fact, uh, he is quieter, less dynamic, less colorful, far more passive than his father Abraham. In fact, little really is said about Isaac uh, 
most of the press is given to his dad, Abraham, and to his kids and grandkids. And so there's not a lot about Isaac. Um, we do know a few things about him, and we read them. He was very wealthy, <laughs> very, very wealthy, that he envied, and he had a hot wife, right? Uh, I think Americans would kind of go, that's sort of our goal, right? <laughs> let's, let's get wealthy and let's have a hot wife. Um, and he had great grandkids that were famous, right? That had to the picture of kind of the American pursuit in some ways, right? Um, but he missed so much. And I, I want to remind us as Americans, if, if that's what we pursue, sort of that healthy retirement with great grandkids that are famous, we're missing it. <laughs> Isaac had that. Um, but Isaac was passive. And he got pushed around in his work. He was a great rancher and farmer, and, and they didn't like him here, and so he got pushed around from place to place. He didn't have deep convictions, and can you imagine having a, an argument with your wife where you're divided over the kids in such a way that your wife would deceive you in order to get the favor of one child? I mean, he had lost control of his home. <laughs> he wasn't loving his wife. You Obviously, they needed a communication class because they weren't communicating together. He wasn't being responsible in his work, and he wasn't being responsible in his home, and it led to a big, big mess. And so I think this really is a recipe for disaster, to pursue wealth and a a good family in that sense, but not stand up for your convictions and not stand up as a godly leader in your home is just going to lead to disappointment. And so I think it would be good for us men in particular to hear hear that. And he possessed a rather weak faith. Uh, he lies about his wife. He's driven by fear. He's more, think about this. He's more concerned about himself than he, about any sexual impropriety that might be done to his wife. I mean, that's sick. That's messed up, man. And, and he has to be rebuked by Abimelech, a pagan king. That's a bad day. When a pagan king is straightening out your behavior before God, you are in a bad place. And that is where he was. And he didn't trust God with the word that was spoken that the older would serve the younger. He didn't respect and honor deeply that God had said Jacob would be the one that would carry on the line of blessing. And so he, he wrestled against that. And so he, he had lots of problems. More negative things are said about Isaac than positive. But at the end of the day, he was a man of faith. He, he was a man that worshipped. And he loved God. And that's good news for us. That, that is the gospel, right? That there's nothing in us that makes us worthy of God's grace and his love. It is purely grace given to us by faith. And Isaac was a man of faith. And the Bible tells us, for by grace we have been saved through faith. Not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. The gospel says God sets his love on us. We put our faith on him and he saves us by grace. And it's a reminder that God commonly uses broken, ordinary people to accomplish great things for us and through us. Um, I, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29, where it says, For consider your calling, brothers, Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And we need to remember that this is about God's glory. This is why God uses broken, weak, below-average people, because the glory is to him, <laughs> right? This is about him and his glory. Um, I've been reading a book a little bit that uh, actually Brian Katherman uh, recommended to me uh, by a guy by the name of Ralph Moore, who has um, planted hundreds of churches. And I, now, I've not heard this guy speak, but Brian has. And Brian says, if you hear him speak, it's almost painful to listen to him. He's so bad. <laughs> and he has planted hundreds of churches across the world, literally. Right? That, that's a picture of what God does. He takes us as weak people and does great things through us. When I was in seminary and taking my primary preaching course, my professor came up to me after doing my first sermon in my course, and he said to me, I think maybe you should think about doing something different. <laughs> How encouraging can you be, right? <laughs> But that's God, right? That we, we should glory in that. It's about him and him working through us. It's not about our talents. And all of us are acutely aware of our inadequacies and our broken places, but this is the opportunity for God to shine through. One author said it this way, we are like cracked pots, and God shines his glory into the pot, right? And the light shines out through the cracks. <laughs> the broken places are the places where God's glory shines. And so if you feel weak, in your parenting or in your job or in your finances or in your health or in your ministry or in your witness, those are places where God wants to shine through you, through his glory and his, his power. Uh, God is not concerned about the size of our talents or even the greatness of our faith, but it's the object of our faith that is great. And in that we put our hope and in that we know we will be used by God. And that was Isaac, right? A man with all kinds of weaknesses who trust and believed in God, and God did great things through him. And so the second point I want to make here is that Isaac put his faith in a great God. God had made great promises to Abraham that he would give uh, to them a, a land, to him a land and a people, so many you couldn't count, and would bless all the nations, a picture of Christ that is coming to bring salvation to all people, and he would do that through Abraham, and now he passes that on to Isaac and makes the same promise to him. And their stories are similar. They both have barren wives, and so they wonder how in the world God's going to do this. So what does Isaac do? He's a weak man. He's got a wife that can't bear children. What does he do? What would you do? You know what he does? He prays. That's a good word, right? God gives us weakness, brokenness, so that we will pray. Let's be people marked by prayer. And Isaac prays and God's answers, and so in his weakness, God is made great. And that's a good reminder for us, right? Yeah, I was thinking... I think I can say, if not my favorite part of my day, just really close, is my time that I spend praying with God. I just love it. Uh, and one of the things I practice, I might just offer it to you today. I was thinking, this, could, this isn't going to turn into a sermon on prayer, but um, I just take my day and my calendar and who I'm going to see and who I'm going to visit with and what I'm going to encounter, and I just pray through every one of those little things. 
No, it takes a few minutes. Just So this would be about God and his power. And I know that apart from God, I can do nothing anyway. So I just commit it to him and ask him to work through me. When I'm driving up to an appointment, I pray. When I walk into a staff meeting, I just pray. I try to get there early to pray over the room. Last night I was in here walking through here praying for all of you. Because I know that it's, if it's up to my talents, just listen to my professor, right? It's not going to be good. So it's up to God and what he does. And so we pray. And that gives God glory, and it keeps us humbly dependent on him as the one who does things through us. And God will accomplish his great purposes um, in and through us, like he did uh, with Isaac. Uh, Isaac set out to try to pass the blessing on to Esau, and, uh, but Esau was disqualified, and so God had to do some <laughs> miraculous things against kind of all odds to make this happen. And so uh, this is the way our God is. He will keep his promises, right? When it looks pretty grim, things look tough, we wonder how God's going to come through, he will. That is who he is. But we so often want to take matters into our own hands, don't we? Right? We're in a pickle at work, right? And so we have a choice between being honest and looking stupid or lying and looking better, and we sometimes choose the less honoring option, right? We look at our finances, and we know God is calling us to give the first 10% to him. We say, well, I need to take matters into my own hands. I can't really trust God with this, right? Or we see our children rebelling, and, and we want to have their heart changed, but we resort to bribery to try to get them to be different instead of, uh, instead of actually praying for their heart and working at the heart. There's a number of things we do. Do we just take, try to take matters out of, out of God's hands? We were watching a movie, my wife and I, this last weekend. And it was about a, struggle, a, a couple who were struggling with a miscarriage, and they were in deep pain over this miscarriage, and um, they were trying all sorts of things to try to jam it down and, and to um, ignore it and to give themselves to all kinds of new hobbies and things to keep busy. They tried drug abuse. They tried all sorts of things, and it just left, led to more and more desperation. But they never, cons- it was a secular film, they never considered faith, trusting a good God who loves them and finding comfort in him and hoping in him and trusting that he knows what he's doing and has that little child. They didn't turn to faith, the answer that we have that is the answer to all the challenges we face, to hope in God and to rest in him. It led to all kinds of despair, but God is a God who who comes through. And in fact, he uses even our most broken places. Sometimes he even uses the evil around us to accomplish his purposes. Rebecca tells a lie. She deceives their children. And God uses that, even that, right, <laughs> to accomplish his purposes. And so when you feel like your life is just buried and everything's wrong around you and maybe even evil, God might be using those bad things to accomplish his good plan. The cross is the ultimate example of that, isn't it? Where the greatest evil that's ever been committed in the history of the human race God turns around and uses it for our salvation, our redemption. It's a powerful thing that our God does. He will accomplish his purposes, and he will do good in and through uh, our challenges um, in life. Well, let's talk a little bit about walking in faith then. Isaac had faith, and he believed God. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, it's interesting. Hebrews chapter 11 is sort of this Hebrew hall of fame, you know, that speaks of all these people that had faith and, and how God used their faith. Um, and so in Hebrews 11, Isaac shows up, right, as one of the heroes of the faith. Uh, he says, by faith, 
Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. He had received the blessing and then he passed it on in the end, though reluctantly, he passed it on to the right son, which was Jacob. And uh, he ended up doing what God wanted him to do. Um, you know, faith, I, I have a little definition for faith that I find helpful for me. Um, and it goes like this. Faith is taking God at his word and acting on it, regardless how you feel, because God promises a good result. Take God at his word and act upon it, regardless how you feel, because God promises a good result. And so here are the promises of God. Um, there's a blessing that goes with honoring him and following him and obeying him. And 2 Peter reminds us that when we hang on to these promises, it transforms us. Listen to 2 Peter 1.4. It says, God has granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So when you take God's promises, when you read his word and his promises, and you act on those promises, it creates Christ in you. It transforms you. It delivers you from the corruption of the flesh. That's why we read God's word, to hear it and to act on it. Because the Bible says when we act on his promises, believing them, he changes us. And this is Isaac. He acted on his promises, though reluctantly, but he did in the end, trusting God, believing him. Because at the end of the day, right, he ended up blessing Jacob. And it came as a surprise. But then they said, well, you just blessed Jacob. And he goes, he says he trembles. He trembled in chapter 27. But then he said, but, he goes, Jacob will be the one that will get blessed. That's what God wants, right? Stood on the promises of God in the end. Not, it wasn't even what he wanted. But he just trusted Right? And that's what God is calling us to do. And as we read his word, to be people of the word, to take it, to trust it. It may not even be what we desire, but to do it. Because God promises a blessing. We were, we were in uh, East Coast, the Florida coast, this past week, and uh, doing a wedding in Florida last weekend. And on the way back, like so often can happen, uh, we missed our flights, and we ended up stranded overnight in Atlanta, Tra-la-la, I don't recommend Atlanta as a good place to spend a night in the ghetto where we were, but we were there. And so, you know, it's just in the simple little things like that, you just trust God. Like, okay, we're here, God's got us here, it's not what we desire, right? But God wants us to be a blessing. So we ordered a pizza at 11 o'clock at night in our hotel room, and a lady pulls up, and you know, I just said, God, just let me be a blessing to her. And thanked her for making us dinner, and uh, you know, it was just a little conversation. But wherever you, God has you in the moment, right, trust him and be a blessing. Because it's not about us, right? This world is not about our comfort. And Ben, you can come on up. It's not about our comfort. It's not about uh, God giving us our way, but it's about his glory, letting our lives shine for him when things are difficult. I, I have several friends right now who are uh, enduring long illnesses, right, and some are doing it graciously and trusting God, and, 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 and God is glorifying himself in and through it. And some are angry and bitter and saying, where is God in this? I don't even know if I believe. What does he want to do with me, right? 
And what God says to each one of us is to obey him and to trust him and to honor him and to worship him. Um, and that that is the path of blessing. And so we want to be people of faith. and Take God at his word and act upon it regardless how we feel because God promises a good result. This is a life of surrender to him, to his glory, and to his blessing in our life. Let's pray. So, Father, I just ask this morning as we look at the life of Isaac and we see his very average nature, his reluctance to follow you, his lack of faith at times, and that you, by your grace, called him and you used him. As in the end, he stepped out and acted in faith. Pray, God, that we more quickly will be submissive to you, that we'll be a people who surrender our lives to you, that we'll be a people who trust you and your word, that, that take your promises and believe them, that you're a good God and you do good, that you are faithful, that you are present. God, let us not just be satisfied with some of the things that Isaac had, a good family and a lot of wealth, but let us be people who press on with convictions to be a witness and to stand, to be people who love and serve and bring the gospel to others. Let us be faithful in the hard things and obey you, knowing that you are a good God who will bless us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all, to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. And I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I.
we leave this morning, let's just take a moment, give us a chance to pray for one another. We talked about the importance of prayer when we feel weak and we feel in broken places. God wants us to pray for one another. That's how he's glorified. That's how we get help. That's how we are weak and he's made strong and that's how we get through life. And so this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you'd like us to pray for you as we close this service, I just have you stand. I invite you to stand. I will just pray from here um, for you. Please, uh, let's be people who are humble before God and say, I need prayer. And I want us to look around as we see people stand. Um, let's be people who are praying for our friends and loved ones in this congregation. Just giving you a moment here. Don't be shy. Prayer is a really good thing. Let's just be people who pray. Even if you don't know names of these people, let's get the face and you pray for them this week that God will give them grace and strength to stand in this challenging time of life. Uh, we all go through this. And so let's close in prayer. Let's, in fact, let's stand together now and let's pray for these people. Father, thank you for your love and your care for us. Thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers. Thank you that you like it. When we feel weak, you are attracted to our weakness, that we can call upon you and your strength and have you deliver us. And so for those who have stood this morning asking for prayer, I ask your grace to be upon them. I ask for your healing touch to be upon them. I ask for peace to be given to them, that they would know your love in ways they've never known it before. I pray that you will deliver them, Father. And Father, I pray that they will walk in obedience and trust in you, that they will glorify you, Lord. I pray, God, that you will show yourself strong and you will be a blessing to them this week. And Father, now for all of us as we go, I pray that we will walk in the truth of the promises of God's word, that we will be people who obey even if it costs us. And I pray, God, in fact, I pray that it would cost us, that you would be honored. God, as we choose you over sin, it says, God, you are great, and we want to choose you this week. And so now, God, I ask your blessing on these people, your strength to be upon them. Fill us with your spirit and use us this day. And Father, even as I close, I think of this 4th of July weekend in our country, I ask that you will be merciful to us. Father, that you'll treat us not as our sins deserve, but God, that you'll be gracious to us. I pray for humility amongst our leaders. Lord, I pray for Christian men and women in government to stand for you and to not compromise. And I pray for the church of Jesus Christ to stand firm in this country with the gospel and not compromise. I pray we'll be a church that's a bright light in this broken nation. And so God, we are so grateful that we can serve you. You are our king. You rule and reign over all the nations. In the end, we are yours. There will be a new kingdom that come and is established and we want to be a part of it. So let us be now people about your kingdom's work this week. And all God's people said, amen. Have a great week. <laughs>